And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us on Zoom this morning. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, as always, <laughs> as yourself, I hope. Yeah, not too shabby. It's a Thursday morning. We're going to power through Thursday and then Friday and then the weekend. <laughs> I see you and I are both wearing black. This is brown, actually. Oh, well, uh, it shows you how good my eyesight is. <laughs> I suppose on Zoom, I'm a little blurry, but thanks for trying anyway. Yeah. Looking at yeah, looking at it closely now, brown is uh, yeah the color. Sorry, it's, it's funny how that works, right? Once you're aware, you suddenly see things yeah. differently. I know it's always easier once you know the answer, right? <laughs> thanks for joining us, Adam. You've said a mouthful Happy there. To be here. <laughs> Let's jump into our keyword news portion. As always, we're going to try to simplify some of these headlines for you, starting with our first keyword of the day. Inauguration ceremony. So amid uncertainty over a plan to relocate the presidential office, the inauguration ceremony for Yoon Sung-yeol will be held in front of the National Assembly. This is in line with tradition, it turns out. That's right. So Pak Chusun, who's in charge of Yoon's inauguration preparations, said Yoon's team thought it was realistically better to hold the ceremony at the National Assembly. It will be held at the plaza in front of the National Assembly or possibly inside the Rotunda Hall if it uh, rains. Now, the plaza can accommodate up to 50,000 people, while the Rotunda Hall can have up to 400 guests. And now, Yongsan Park, the National Museum of Korea, and the Seoul Plaza were also considered, but the inaugural committee ultimately picked the National Assembly in line with tradition. The other locations were said to have had issues with security, uh, traffic, and mm. uh, space. Ido Hun will serve as the chief executive director for Yoon's inauguration ceremony. He planned and directed the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2018 Pyeongchang Winter Olympics, in fact, mm. uh, as well as former President Im Young-bak's uh, inauguration ceremony mm. uh, back in 2008. Uh, Lee Gak-bom will be in charge of preparations for Yoon's inaugural address. He's a professor at KAIST, and he also worked as presidential secretary for policy planning under the Kim Young-sam administration. Um, now, interestingly, former President Park Geun-hye could be invited to the ceremony. An official close to Yoon's inaugural ceremony committee said that former and incumbent presidents need to attend the ceremony for uh, national unity. Uh, Park, of course, is set to be discharged from hospital on Thursday and returned to her hometown of Tegu. And if we remember, she was pardoned while <clears throat> excuse me, serving a prison sentence uh, for corruption. Whether jailed a former president, Im Young-bak, will also be pardoned remains to be seen. That is uh, one of the hot potato issues uh, that will be uh, watched if a Moon Jae-in and Yoon Sung-yeol meeting does take place. All right, on to our second keyword of the day. State of Pandemic. So Korea's new COVID-19 cases spiked to near 500,000 yesterday, adding to concerns that the Omicron wave is far from over. What's the latest, Adam? That's right. So as of 9 p.m. yesterday, there were just over 380,000 new cases. That's about 95,000 less cases than at the same time uh, the day before. It's also some 170,000 less cases compared to a week ago, but it is still... 75,000 more than two weeks ago. 
Uh, cases counted to midnight, however, may see today's caseload surpass 400,000 again. Uh, the total caseload breached the grim milestone of the 10 million mark, if you remember, on Tuesday. That's mm. 20% of the population. There were hopes that cases could start to drop because other countries have seen such patterns when that milestone was reached. But health authorities have been warning that may not be the case in Korea, more so due to the fast spread of the so-called stealth Omicron variant, as well as eased restrictions mm. as well. Uh, meanwhile, the Korean government has approved the emergency usage of anti-COVID-19 pill known as Legevrio. When will they start being prescribed and distributed? Right. Well, Legevrio is the second oral pill to be used to treat COVID-19 patients in Korea following Pfizer's Paxlovid, which is uh, quickly running out, according to the government. Now, the government said Legevrio will be administered to patients who cannot take Paxlovid. It'll also not be allowed to be given to pregnant women as well as patients under the age of 18. So there is a specific target for this drug. Uh, doses for 20,000 patients will reach hospitals this weekend, Saturday, in fact, after undergoing customs procedures today. The KDCA says it will make an announcement on plans to introduce additional supplies after consultations. Um, Legevrio should be administered as soon as possible after the diagnosis of COVID-19, as well as within five days of the start of symptoms. Uh, the drug will be prescribed twice a day with an interval of 12 hours for five days. Now, the most common side effects include diarrhea, nausea, uh, dizziness and headache, all of which are either mild or moderate. Um, the government will also, meanwhile, begin vaccinating children aged 5 to 11 against COVID-19 from the end of this month, the mm. 31st. And reservations for the Pfizer shots that it will be will start today. From what I understand, that's not mandatory. It's a recommendation, right? Right. It is. Yeah. All right. On to our third keyword of the day. Property tax. Oh, how much time do we have on the clock? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> the government plans to ease tax burdens on owners of a single home. This, of course, comes amid growing public discontent about the government's housing policy and soaring house prices and the unaffordability of the tax burden. Tell us the details. Yeah, I think we've all lost count of how many policies have been put in place now to try and curb these spiraling house, uh, house prices. But a it few just dozens? Doesn't seem to, yeah. <laughs> maybe, but yeah. uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, working uh, as the government hopes. But the latest measures are aimed at having single homeowners pay similar amounts of property holding taxes to those of last year. Now, to achieve this, the government plans to apply last year's state assessed or state audited price values for homes when it sets real estate related taxes for this year. Uh, in Korea, the government usually taxes land and homes based on its annual assessment value instead of the actual market value, which is uh, determined more by supply and demand. Mm. Now, considering that housing prices rise over time, applying last year's state assessed value is anticipated to reduce the property tax for 93% of single homeowners whose homes are priced at 600 million won or less. Uh, the measures will also exempt tax levied exclusively on those who own homes that exceed 1.1 billion won in value, as well as owners of multiple homes. Uh, now, multiple homeowners, though, will be able to receive eased tax burdens if they sell most of their homes to only own one house by the end of May. So essentially, they need to become single homeowners 
if they want to take advantage of any tax cuts. Mm. Now, the government also plans to allow single homeowners aged 60 and older to postpone the payment of this very controversial comprehensive real estate taxes until they sell their home or possibly hand it down to their children as inheritance. Among other measures introduced to ease the tax burden were freezing the premium for national health insurance, which is levied based on a person's property's value. Mm. Um, but all of this uh, could uh, turn out to be overturned when Yun Sung Yeo takes office in May. So we'll have to see. <laughs> That's not very promising, but <laughs> right. as you can see, a little bit more is up in the air. Patience mm. required. On to our fourth keyword of the day. Steel quota. Uh, so U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo says Washington has absolutely no plans to renegotiate a quota agreement forged by South Korea and the former Trump administration. What does this all imply? Right. Well, the announcement came a day actually after the U.S. agreed to cut tariffs on British steel and aluminium. Uh, Raimondo uh, told Reuters that renegotiating the Korea-U.S. quota arrangement is not really a high priority for the U.S. at the moment. Uh, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai earlier argued that Korea is already uh, in a better position than many others in terms of steel and aluminium uh, exports to the U.S., or aluminum, I should say, for uh, our U.S. viewers. <laughs> now, the, uh, the former Trump administration imposed what's known as Section 232 tariffs of 25% of steel imports back in 2018, Seoul, however, had chosen an import quota, which allowed the country to ship uh, 70% of a three-year average free of duty, those three years being from 2015 to 2017. That was part of a deal to revise the chorus FTA, something that the Trump administration wasn't really happy about and wanted to scrap or change. Mm. Uh, Korean officials, though, have been pushing for negotiations uh, after the US struck deals with the EU and uh, Japan to roll out or roll back rather, tariffs on steel and aluminium. Uh, on Wednesday, it struck a similar deal with Britain. Uh, so uh, Korea also wants some sort of new deal to be arranged. Uh, now, Romando, meanwhile, said the US had a strong relationship with Korea and praised its participation uh, in concerted export controls on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. Whether Seoul can use that maybe as a bargaining chip for possible renego uh, renegotiations remains to be seen. All right, and on to our last keyword of the day. Pay in rubles. So Russian President Vladimir Putin says countries deemed unfriendly to Moscow must buy Russian oil and gas in rubles. What would this mean? Yeah. Right, well, this is, of course, deepening Russia's standoff with the West ever since it uh, started that invasion of Ukraine. And it could also potentially aggravate Europe's worst energy crunch that's happened since the 1970s. Now, gas prices surged more than 30% after uh, Putin ordered the central bank to develop a mechanism to make ruble payments for natural gas within a week at a meeting with his uh, government. Now, Putin's move showed a growing willingness to use Russian energy supplies as a weapon in the struggle between Moscow and the West over that war in Ukraine. The specifics of the new arrangement weren't immediately clear, but by demanding payments in rubles, Putin is essentially forcing European companies to directly prop up uh, the country's currency. Uh, as we all know, the ruble was sent into a free fall, of course, by sanctions that were placed on the Russian economy. Uh, but the ruble gained at 77 uh, rather percent against the dollar on Wednesday, which trimmed its losses this year to 23%. But it's still very, very mm. low. 
Um, now, Germany, which is the biggest buyer of Russian gas, said the move is a breach of the contracts and the nation will speak to its European partners on how to respond. Italy, which is the second biggest customer, said it wasn't inclined to pay for Russian gas in rubles because it could help Putin weaken Europe's sanction regime. Mm. Now, contractual changes may mean European customers have to renegotiate their agreements, which are mostly in euros, uh, possibly leading to supply disruptions as the talks take place. Mm. But with a host of European countries still dependent on Moscow for most of their gas and oil supplies, disruptions would push up prices and deepen the continent-wide energy crisis that's already happening mm. um, around the world, not just in Europe, in fact. Uh, but for Europe, it gets about 40% of its gas from Russia uh, and is already grappling with the fallout of record prices this winter. Mm. Um, European gas benchmarks surged as much as 34% actually after Putin's demand. Um, now, the list of unfriendly countries that Russia has uh, categorized does include South Korea, in fact, because it has put its own sanctions after that Ukrainian invasion. Um, but Korea doesn't depend too much on Russian gas imports compared to the EU. So mm. it's unlikely Putin's move will have that much of a direct impact, direct being the key word there. It may indirectly affect Korea because all of this uh, move to pay in rubles will may um, spike prices globally, of mm. course, uh, which could affect Korea uh, indirectly. So what's happening in Russia and Ukraine has been drawing a lot of comparisons to what happened during the Cold War. But it seems mm-hmm. that Russia's presence in the global economy has certainly grown and that makes things a little right. bit more complicated with these sanctions. We'll keep a close yeah. tabs on it. Uh, Adam, thank you so much, because for the first time ever, we have a little bit more time left on the oh, clock. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you the question of the day today? Um, if you cool. had the option, um, it's a subject of deep thought, rather. Do you want oh, really? to or would you want to live forever? Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that is a good one. That's actually a really good answer. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say no. And why is that? Because the reason being is uh, I'm going to get very sentimental or very deep with this. But, uh, you know, the value of life itself, I mean, if death is a prospect which makes everything in life more beautiful and worth living for, if that's gone, then everything else mm. in life doesn't seem as uh, worth living for. Is the, the value of life itself kind mm. of diminishes if if it's ongoing and if it's infinite. So I think, um, yeah, at some point I would like to uh, die a peaceful death if possible. Oh, that's a that's a fantastic answer. You just had that waiting, huh? Without, <laughs> without darkness, there is no light. Without, yeah. you know, the tough parts of life or maybe even an end date is is right. the beautiful parts highlighted too. Hmm, thanks yeah. for that answer, Adam. <laughs> it's that the journey is always the fun part and the, and the interesting part, whether it be good or bad, but... Mm. Uh, All journeys must come to an end at some point, right? Thank you so much, Adam. I'll speak to you again tomorrow. (laughs) See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.